You're listening to Key Conversations for Leaders. This is episode number three. Hey, everybody. It's John Ryan here. And for this episode, we're going to be talking about the five keys to creating certainty in an uncertain world. And we're going to do things a little bit differently today. This is a bit more topical because right now at the time of this recording, our country is in lockdown because of the coronavirus. And so I'm not going to talk about the coronavirus itself because whatever information I have right now is probably going to be outdated by the time you listen to this. But instead, we're going to use this as an example of uncertainty and what to do about it. Our country and the entire world is in a place of great uncertainty. And a lot of this content I'm going to be sharing with you actually comes from a webinar that I put together for a client of mine. And I thought it would be useful to bring some of these concepts into our conversation here. So I want to go over briefly what you're going to be learning on our conversation today, and then we'll jump right into it. So today, we're going to be talking about managing your mindset, even in times of uncertainty. And by the end of our time together, you're going to know how to create a feeling of certainty inside, even when things are going absolutely crazy around you. How to stay focused on what's really important. How to create momentum to create results. How to control your environment. And also, how to create a strong support network. Because support is such an important thing, not only in times of great change, but in terms of creating success, even when things are going really well. In fact, I'd like to support you and your team. One of the ways I'd like to do that is by offering to schedule a free brainstorming call. And if you'd like to spend about 45 minutes or so together brainstorming ways to improve your business and develop your team, then simply go to keyconvo.com call and set up a time. Spaces are limited based on availability, so take advantage of that today. In times of great change, we need great leaders, those willing to step up, to take responsibility, to create a vision and inspire others to join them in fulfilling that vision. A key part of that is having conversations with yourself and those you lead. That's what this show is about, better conversations for better leaders. Let's start by talking about why this is so important. And I think one of the reasons this really is important, especially right now, is there is an incredible need for leadership in our society. We need leadership not just in government, but in our companies, in our communities, and in our families. As we navigate the challenges that we're facing right now, not just as individuals, but as a planet, we have an incredible opportunity to look within and see what we're really made of. Leaders are born from crisis. Think back to the great leaders throughout history. They're great not because it was easy, but because it was challenging. Think of Martin Luther King, George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, Gandhi, Nelson Mandela. The list goes on and on. And their leadership serves as amazing examples because of the difficulties that they had to overcome. Their ability to rise and shine amid the uncertainty, the conflict, and the chaos. And it gives it that much more depth and meaning as a result of that. So as we literally and figuratively become more and more isolated, the importance of stepping up as leaders becomes more and more clear. To unite people behind a common vision, to create a sense of community, purpose, and meaning. And to focus on what we want rather than what we don't want. Because without such leadership, the people who work with us and the people who depend on us can begin a downward spiral. In the face of uncertainty, without leadership, we fall under the spell of fear. 
We have a lack of direction, a loss of focus, and worst of all, a loss of hope. I remember a while ago that I just finished up a major project, and it was ahead of schedule, which was great. And I had about a week before I went back on the road for doing some training. And what happened was I started to drift. I just remember walking around the house and I felt like I really wasn't sure what to do with myself and my time until I finally said to my wife, you know, I don't know what's wrong. I don't know what to focus on. And then it finally hit me. I said, that's it. I don't have a focus. So I went back to my list of the someday projects that I have and I picked the next project, got into it and it felt great. I had a project. I had a way to direct my energy and I had a purpose. And that's where a lot of people are right now. Millions, if not billions of people on the planet are trying to find their focus. They don't know what to focus on and they need leaders to step up and help them identify and fulfill their purpose. So now that we've talked a little bit about why this is important, let's jump into the five keys to creating certainty in an uncertain world. Key number one is we have to learn how to manage our focus. Manage your focus. There's two aspects of this that I want to cover today, and it relates to identifying your vision and your values. And in just a moment, we're about to get into creating your vision, but before we do that, I think it's important that we explore your values because values really drive the vision. So let's start by looking at what are values. Values really are what's important to you. It's your why. Leaders always know their why and they know their values. They know what's important to them. Values drive everything. They determine not only what you do, but how you do it. We have values for every area of our life and they determine if we're fulfilled or not. They're also how we make decisions and they help us make the right decisions, especially in times of crisis. Our values are what motivate us. And at the deepest level, they drive us. In some trainings that I teach, we spend a day and a half just on values. So I won't be able to do them the justice they actually deserve, but for our purposes here, we can at least begin to use them to help us identify our vision. So now that we know what values are and why they're so important, let's talk about how do you identify your values? And the answer is actually quite simple. You simply have to ask. You ask yourself what's important to me in, and then you fill in the blank on the area that you're interested in. So let's go ahead and pretend that you're working on career, although this exercise can work for any area, health, relationships, spirituality. So again, to get your values, all you have to do is brainstorm. Ask yourself, what's important to me in this area of life? What's important to me in career? And then you start writing down your answers in a document or on paper, however you want to do it, it's totally fine. You create a list of all the things that are important to you. And then what you do is you go in and you start prioritizing them, asking yourself, what's the most important value on this list? What's the next most important, et cetera, until you prioritize your entire list. Because what we're most interested in is not just the entire list, but really your top five values. Those are the most important values to you. And most of your behaviors are based on fulfilling these values. One way to use values is to consider them when establishing and evaluating your goals. 
So that brings us to the second part of our discussion on managing your focus. And this part right here, I refer to as the primary question. The primary question is, what is my outcome? I call this the primary question because quite often it's the first question I ask when doing coaching, consulting, or even creating a training. So you're really asking yourself, you know, what do you want? What do you want to create? What's your intention? These types of questions help us to create our focus. Without a vision, people perish. As a species, we're extremely goal-centered. It's one of the things that has allowed us to accomplish what we've accomplished as a society. And it's not just about achievement, it's about purpose and fulfillment. I don't know if you know the story of Viktor Frankl, as described in his book, Man's Search for Meaning. But in that book, and by the way, this is an incredible, powerful read. In that book, he talks about his time in a Nazi concentration camp. And of course, I won't be able to do his story justice in the next few minutes. But one of the insights that he shares in that book is that he found that he could tell, even in the most dire circumstances, that there were certain people who you could tell they were just going to make it. He said, I don't know what it was. You just could tell. And, And others were having a really tough time, as you can only imagine. So he began to talk to these people. And he identified the people who you could tell were going to make it. And what he found out was they had a purpose. They had a goal. And the goal was to make sure that they survived no matter what. To tell the story and make sure that that never happened again. That's powerful. That's the power of purpose. And it starts with a goal. So we need to ask ourselves, what's our goal? What's your goal? What's your intention? What's your North Star to focus on to give you that sense of certainty and purpose? And once you have your purpose, once you have your goal, then it's time for the second key, which is turning that vision into action. So we're going to use the secondary question. Primary question is, what's your outcome? The secondary question is, what's the most important thing for me to do to achieve my outcome? A goal without action is just daydreaming. So we want to convert our goal into the physical. Stephen Covey said it this way. He said that everything in the world is created twice, first in the mind, then in reality. To transform your goals into reality, you must take action. This part's pretty simple. We all get this intuitively as leaders. All results are preceded by action. So we want to get clear on the actions that we can take to create the results that we want. One way to combine these and put them together is to simply start with the primary question, what's your outcome, and then tack on the secondary question, and then go ahead and do the same thing with prioritization. Pick the most important outcome that you have, and then brainstorm using the secondary question, what can you do to achieve that outcome? Brainstorm all the actions you need to do to achieve that goal, and then after that, prioritize those tasks. Pick the most important task, and then Commit. Only do that task. After all, it's the most important task. Once that task is done, then move on to the next most important, and so on and so forth. What this does is it prevents us from trying to do everything at once, and it creates focus and momentum. Another huge impact on our ability to take action and create momentum is our environment. And that's key number three. 
create a supportive environment. There are two types of environments that we're going to talk about today on the show, external and internal. Have you ever heard the idea, as above, so below, as below, so above, as within, so without, as without, so within? If you have, then you may have spent some time thinking about it, but if not, what this really means is that your external world is a reflection of your internal world. Look around you. Take a moment, look around you. Look in your office, look in your car, look around your house, and just take a moment to consider, is it clean and organized, or is it a disorganized mess? If your desk is cluttered, so is your mind. As without, so within. So I want to give you a couple tips to help you clean up the external environment to create some momentum in this area. First tip, clean off your desk. And don't just shove it in a drawer somewhere. Energetically, even though it's out of sight, it's not out of mind. Energetically, it's still there. It's just hidden. Now we've done is you've hidden all that clutter. It's still there and it weighs on you because somewhere in your mind, you know that you have that one drawer or closet that you still have to clean out. Tip number two, organize your files. With a messy office, it's estimated that people spend roughly two to four hours a week looking for papers. Multiply that times 50 weeks, that's 100 to 200 hours per year, depending on how bad it is. This one thing could cost you a month in lost productivity. How would you like to have an extra month to get stuff done every year? If you do, simply just go ahead and organize your files. And in addition to lost productivity, this is also about stress. If your environment is disorganized, it's also going to create stress at an unconscious level. The third tip is as you work from home, if you're not used to doing this, make sure that you work on setting boundaries for your work, both in space and in time. And what that means is have a physical location that you dedicate just for work. An office by itself is a simple solution because once you close your office door at the end of the day, you're done. If you have a tendency to merge your work with your personal life, it gets harder to shut it down. So instead, have an area, whether it's a room, a table, or some space where it's just dedicated to work. The other boundary is time. Parkinson's law, I don't know if you've ever heard of that before, it says that the work that we have expands to fill the time available for its completion. To combat that, you need to set boundaries. Keep your normal work hours. Simply do whatever you did when you were going to the office in person. So those are some quick tips for the external environment. The other environment we're going to look at now is the internal environment. And this can really be just as important as the external environment, if not more so. In fact, they're connected, as within, so without. So we have to look at our internal environment also. And here are the four main aspects of who we are. We all have four different aspects to our internal environment, which we refer to as the four bodies. We have the spiritual body, the mental body, emotional body, and physical body. And you can think of them like four wheels on a car. If one or more of them is flat or broken, then it's going to be a bumpy ride if you can even get the car moving at all. 
for the spiritual body, and if you don't like that word spiritual, you can always use soul or energy. Most people can appreciate the importance of energy in life. In fact, nothing has ever been accomplished without energy. The mental body is more of your mindset, your beliefs, your attitude. The emotional body is obviously about your emotional well being, how you feel. And the physical body is about our fitness and nutrition. So, how do we make sure that our car runs smoothly? Well, you've got to make sure that each of these bodies, these tires, if you will, are fully filled, that they are full filled. To do that, we want to create routines. Aristotle said, We are what we repeatedly do. Stephen Covey said it this way He said, First, we create our habits, then our habits create us. And one way to create these routines is to simply take a sheet of paper and divide it into four columns and label them spiritual, mental, emotional, and physical. Then below each header, Write down some of the things you can do in that area to strengthen that body. So for spiritual, you might have things like meditation, prayer, walking in nature. For the mental body, you might have reading, podcasts, webinars. On the emotional level, maybe it's journaling, socializing, doing coaching, or physically, nutrition, exercise, sleep, water. Once you create this list, Then what you do is you pick the ones that you want to start incorporating into your daily routine and start doing them daily. Not once a month, not once in a while, daily, because we are what we repeatedly do. And since we're talking about mindset and creating certainty, I want to go a little bit more in depth about the mental body. On a mental level, one of the most important things we can do to create certainty, if not the most important, is to do key number four, which is develop an adaptive mindset. This is a time of great change. And with the accelerating rate of technological growth that we're experiencing, change isn't going to slow down anytime soon, if ever. Greek philosopher Heraclitus, around 500 BC, was the first to put forth the idea that change is the only constant in life. And he said that over 2,000 years ago. I can't imagine what he would have thought about today's pace. He went on to say that to resist change is to resist life itself. If you really think about it, what in life doesn't change? Everything changes. In fact, this relates to the second law of thermodynamics, which is the law of entropy. Now, I'm not a physicist, nor have I ever played one on TV. But to my understanding, it's about the idea that entropy increases over time. In other words, everything falls apart in the end. I know, really optimistic, right? But there's an antidote to this. There's a way to stop the decline. And what that is, is intention. Thinking back to the external environment, when you bring your intention to a cluttered office or a cluttered desk, that translates into the action of cleaning it up which creates order out of chaos, at least temporarily. Of course, if we never take the time to clean it up again, the chaos will return. But if we stay mindful of our intention to stay organized and we put energy into it, we're going to get the results we're looking for. So to help you in developing and maintaining an adaptive mindset, I want to share with you three basic things to keep in mind. 
Number one, we have to accept change as a constant. Number two, we want to ask the two questions that we talked about earlier. The primary question, the secondary question. What's my outcome? And what action do I need to take to achieve that outcome? And then number three, this is about flexibility. Keep trying new actions until you achieve your outcome. So accept change as a constant. Direct your focus with an outcome. Focus on the action and keep on trying new things until you actually get the result you're looking for. Imagine for a moment that you're on your way home from work and the road you normally take is closed. Well, you might not be happy that they closed the road to work on it for whatever reason, but there's really no choice. Wishing that the road wasn't closed won't help. Thinking back to the good old days when you could just drive your normal route doesn't help. You know your outcome. You know the old way won't work. So what do you do? You try a different road. And you keep on trying different roads until you make it to your destination. This is what it's all about. The game is constantly changing. And we have to adapt to the game or we get left behind. Another thing to keep in mind is this idea that people don't fear change. They fear uncertainty. Right now, we are in uncertain times. How do we reduce the uncertainty? Well, we stay engaged in the game. Yes, the game is changing. As we said, the world is changing and we have to change with it. So start by identifying your outcome. The primary question is the basis for everything. Once you know where you're going, that alone begins to reduce the uncertainty. Now you have a direction, then it's only a matter of taking action. And that leaves us with the fifth key. The fifth key in creating certainty in an uncertain world, and that is to create a support network. And there's two aspects of this, supporting others and getting support for yourself. Let's start by talking about supporting others first. And I want to share with you the parable of the long spoons. And you may have heard this before. There are different versions of the story out there. And I'm going to give you kind of a relatively quick one. One day, a man was talking to God and he said, I would like to see what heaven and hell look like. And God said, okay. So he showed him two doors, one labeled heaven and the other labeled hell. The man opened the door to hell first, and he looked inside, and he saw that people were gathered around a large pot filled with stew. And and as he walked into the door, he could smell the stew, and he looked around that all the people around the pot, even though there was food right there, they were thin, sickly, and starving. They each had spoons attached to their hand, but the man saw that the spoons were six feet long. So they could get the stew out of the pot, but the spoons were too long to get it into their mouths. Terrified, horrified at what he saw, he went to the next door. He opened up and he looked inside, and to his surprise, it was the same situation. People sitting around a large pot of stew. The difference was that everyone looked happy, healthy, and well-fed. It was the same situation. But what he noticed was, the difference was that the people in heaven Focus on feeding other people rather than trying to feed themselves. So start asking yourself, how can you feed those around you? Look for ways to help others. On a lockdown, such as we're in right now, this can be a bit of a challenge. So maybe we can't be there in person for people like we used to, 
or would want to. So maybe it's simply about reaching out to someone and saying hello, letting them know that you're thinking of them. No, we're social creatures. We're social beings. And being separated, being isolated is in itself very stressful. People are scared right now. They're lonely. And many people are feeling depressed. And a little bit of effort can go a long way in helping them to feel a little bit better and connected and a little sense of normalcy. And this isn't just about your team. This is about your family, friends, and people in the community at large. One thing you can do today to support others is to create a list of people that you want to connect with for no other reason than letting them know that you care and start going through it. Reach out, phone call, email, text, whatever works for you. Put that energy out there and feed them with your intention. Communication, as we know, is a critical part of leadership and support. And I think some people are doing really well in this area right now, and some people could use some improvement. And one of the reasons that some leaders, especially in business, are not communicating with their team and their people is because they don't know what to say. They don't know what's going to happen in the future because things are changing so rapidly. And since they don't know what to say, they default to not saying anything. The problem is that when you don't communicate, People read between the lines. They fill in the gaps and they do so with fear, not faith. Left to our own devices, we tend to assume the worst. To minimize that, you want to communicate what you can, when you can. And even if you don't have anything to communicate, communicate that. Especially in times of crisis, people really need three things. Number one, they need communication. Number two, they need transparency. And number three, they need consistency. If you don't say anything, lack of communication, they'll assume the worst. If you're not honest and transparent, people can tell, and then they don't trust you. And if you're not consistent, that lack of communication can also bring out fear and a lack of trust. So communicate with your people. Do it openly, transparently, and consistently. The other aspect of support is making sure that you get the support that you need as well. I know we already talked about establishing a routine for your spiritual, mental, emotional, and physical bodies, but another thing that can be helpful is to have someone to talk with, to lean on, and to support you during this time. As they say on every commercial plane before you take off, make sure you put your mask on before helping others. So make sure that you have support too. Otherwise, we start to feel alone and isolated. And we don't always feel like we can lean on our families and our teams. After all, quite often they're looking to you as their rock. In fact, that's what I want to share with you as a special gift from me to you, is a chance for us to talk. Totally free, as a gift and a way to contribute and give back. We'll set up a call or a video conference for about 45 minutes or so. And what we'll do on the call is we'll start implementing the things that we've been talking about so far. We'll identify your vision. We'll figure out where you want to be in the future. We'll identify the action steps that you need to take to get there. We'll also identify the obstacles that are in your way and holding you back. And then we'll identify the next steps to help you overcome those obstacles and achieve your vision. All you have to do is go to keyconvo.com slash call, pick a time that works for you, and we'll talk soon. But before we wrap up, I want to 
go over a couple last things here about do's and don'ts. So I want to share with you the top five things to do and then the top five things not to do. The first thing to do to implement what we've been talking about today is to start by identifying your top five values. Brainstorm what's most important to you in career, for example. Get a big long list of all the things that are important to you and then prioritize that list and then focus on the top five. Then use that to create your outcome. Use the primary question, what's my outcome? Where do I want to be a year from now? And then number three, take action. That's the secondary question. What's the most important action to take to help me achieve my outcome? Number four, create a routine. And number five, build your support network. Now let's talk a little bit about what not to do. Well, of course, don't focus on what you can't control. Make sure you set up boundaries with people too. Don't listen to negative people. That's the second one. Don't get stuck in the same old, same old routine. Number four, don't get sucked into vacation mode. And this is a big one for people who are not used to working on their own at home. The Washington Post published an article recently about Isaac Newton and how during the resurgence of the Black Plague in Europe, he was at Cambridge when the world was hit. And Cambridge shut down. And Isaac Newton went home and he took his papers and his research with him. And that's when he developed a lot of his work for calculus, gravity, and motion. And then the last thing not to do is don't isolate while you're in isolation. Stay connected with others. Support others and make sure that you're getting support too. That's it for our discussion on the five keys to creating certainty in an uncertain world. I hope you found some value in our discussion today. And if you know someone who's struggling, or maybe you want to share this information with your team, share this podcast, share this episode specifically, and help people help others create certainty in this time of great uncertainty. Until next time, develop yourself, empower others, and lead by example. Thanks for listening to Key Conversations for Leaders with John Ryan. To take advantage of that free brainstorming session, visit keyconvo.com call and pick a time that works for your schedule. Spots are limited based on availability, so schedule yours today.